0: Welcome to Rethink Retirement, a Next Up podcast. I'm Victoria Tomlinson.
1: And I'm Trevor Hatton. Um, In this podcast, we meet people who inspire us with their stories and tell us how they reuse their skills and experience in new ways as they move into retirement
0: or unretirement, as we like to call it. Why this podcast? Well, it all started because we're now living longer, we have healthy lives full of opportunity. But so many people struggle to know, what should I or could I even do at this next stage of life? So our guests are going to provide you with ideas and also talk about perhaps some of the challenges on the way. So if you can't imagine your future, let our guests take you by the hand and inspire you with their journey.
1: And today we are absolutely delighted to welcome Peter Davenport. Peter's early career was as a journalist in national media. And then he moved over to the dark side and built and sold a successful pr agency um he's always been known as a snappy dresser as as you can see if you're on the video i'm looking forward to hearing about his cult following uh, for for his attire so
2: welcome peter hi nice to meet you hi there peter peter thank you
0: for joining us we always ask our guests to tell us a bit about themselves and how you got to this point. You've had such a varied career. I'm only giving you about two minutes for this, so I know you're going to have to pack an awful lot into that time. Tell us how you got to this
2: point. Okay, it's a challenge to do it in two minutes (laughs) and try not to sound too egotistical. So I I spent 25 years as a national, international journalist, latterly uh, for a decade on The Times. I worked across the UK and in 20 countries worldwide, from America to the Falklands to the Middle East, uh, interviewing and meeting uh, an incredible range of people. From travelling with Pope John Paul on his pilgrimage to Ireland, having tea in an Irish castle with Fred Astaire, meeting John Wayne, between the Rolling Stones, president prime ministers and princes. I uh, uh, covered uh, some major uh, social events: the miners' strike, the Hillsborough disaster. I was I was at uh, Lockerbie. Um, and Bloody Sunday. I travelled and flew with the RAF to the Falkland Islands um, in the aftermath of the war. I sailed with the Royal Navy uh, on their aircraft carrier in the Indian Ocean. And I covered the mining strike, of course, that awful year-long social uh, incident we all remember. After moving out of journalism I moved to PR, I started and uh, sold a number of PR uh, companies. And part of that, I um, uh, worked for sponsors of the Commonwealth Games and sponsors of the first round-the-world yacht race. I've written a couple of books and I've also uh, managed my grandson's rock band from winning a small award in Harrogate to getting um, them an all expenses paid recording trip to LA um, and then uh, doing a 10 date arena tour in the UK, uh, playing to 20,000 strong audiences. So it's been uh, life has been and continues to be interesting.
1: (laughs) That's fantastic, Peter. Thank you for cramming that all into two minutes. There's a lot of change in your story. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you cope with the, the transition from you know, full-time employment into going off and doing other things? And, and were there any
2: surprises along the way? I, I like the word transition. I hate the word retirement. <laughs> retirement from work means retiring from life. So what I've done is transition to a new way of working. Um, I spent 10 years as MD of the agency that I founded and as it was about to go through changes, I recognised that it needed people with a different skill. Um, and I had recruited that person. I always think the sign of a good manager is to recruit the person who will succeed you and do better than you. And that's what happened. It was the right time for the agency and it was the right time for me to sell my shareholding in the agency and to do other things. Now, just to give you an idea, I am not working any less than I did before. I didn't do that differently in a different way to do different things. So to give an example, in the last three days, I've had a meeting with the oldest jewellery company in the world to do a a talk to their clients as part of launching a new range of jewellery themed on travel. I have landed a £50,000 new account for the agency where I'm still a consultant. I've done a film uh, for a major law firm advising PE houses on reputation management. I've advised another law firm on a very complicated uh, multi-million pound fraud case with global implications. I've been to the gym three times and I've written a chapter on my new book. So that's the the last three days. So don't tell me I've retired.
0: (laughs) No, I I don't think anybody, nobody's coming on this podcast if they've traditionally retired. That's not what it's about at this stage, Peter. Yeah, it's a great inspiration. And Peter, you... In a way, I'd say lucky. I mean, perhaps we're quite similar in a way that we've got some basic skills here that can carry on no matter how um, decrepit our bodies become, if you like, that, uh, you know, things like writing skills. Mm. And are you still, it sounds like you still are using those skills. But also, I think you're using your PR skills by launching this Instagram account. So tell me a bit about this. And I want to know, it's about what you wear, isn't it, that you're doing? are you like one of these sort of um influencers like holly willoughby where
2: you get sent clothes by marks and spencers to show off a bit more upmarket i'm sure market me but (laughs) let me let me tell you i've always had a a passionate interest in clothing not just for egotistical reasons but the psychology of clothing what does to you as an individual now listen i left school with no qualifications and little discernible tone so i've quickly learned as a journalist if you're going to Turn up at somebody's house at midnight to ask them to talk to you about something dramatic in their lives. Before you've opened your mouth, they will make a decision about you, basically on the, the way you look and the image you convey. And I've always used that both in journalism as a way of getting people to talk to me, as an icebreaker. Uh, I often take the view that if people remember what you looked like, they will remember what you said. And then during lockdown, I found all that gone. My Innate skill is to talk to people at any level, whether it's the CEO or the hotel doorman, with genuine interest. I lost all that in lockdown, so I decided what I would do, the way I would survive it, would be to dress every day, as if I was going to work, either on Zoom or Teams course, and I would start a, a, an Instagram page, and i have been quite um, social media, I'd been quite ambivalent about it. But our I saw is a way of communicating with people with the same interests who were sat at home all day. And it kind of grown, I several hundred people now. And I find it a way of sharing an interest. It's, it's a way of generating business. One of the things that I do is I do a talk called Trains and Boats and Planes about all my journeys in journalism. And I posted that on my Instagram site. And that led to three or four inquiries about delivering that paid for. Talk uh, as yet, Victoria. Unfortunately, nobody's sending me free clothes, but that's not what it <laughs> um, it's about. A, it's about one of the things that I've—I've I've always been known for dressing well. It's—it's a—and it's a, I, listen, I come from a pit village in South Yorkshire. No money. It's not about that. It's about personal pride. I guess it's the Italian phrase of sprezzatura. It's to kind of make the best of life as an individual. And I think if you can't look after your own image, then how could you look after somebody else's image? And also, it's a sign of, I think, respect uh, to the people you're working with that you you make the effort to do that. And I'll tell you something. Last week, on each day of last week, somebody in some city where I was stopped me in the street. Oh, you look really good, men and women. Oh wow! It's because most people now don't make that effort. So it's a just it's a pain. A point of creating a USP which leads to other things. Peter, that
1: that's fantastic. I'm, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before. Um, People are sending you clothes. <laughs> they really start better. flowing in.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure they'll be coming from Savile Row, not M&S. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> um, So that you know, it's a very powerful and and I guess quite kind of individual story. But you must have had helpers and support along the way. Could,
2: could you just tell us a little bit about people that helped uh, yeah. you along the way? I was the good fortune of working with people who I, who I like and who I can learn from. Now I, always, I do believe in that. Although I'm very individualistic, I like working within a team. But I like to have my role within a team or managing a team. And so that, whatever stage of my career, like people I've looked up to and learned from. And I think when I decided to step down from the kind of corporate role. It was because I realised that it, the growth of the business is now ten times what it was. You know, ten times more people required skills I didn't have. And it carried responsibilities I didn't want. But that's not to say I, I still helped to start that business. So I retain a relationship with them. I work for them as a consultant on 10 days a month, which is satisfying for me in terms of seeing it continue to grow. Working with young people I, who I constantly learn from, uh, and they can do things I can't do. What I've learned is that the one thing you can't be as a 25-year-old is have 50 years of experience. You can't have that. So it's a mutual relationship. I can learn from them, but I can bring things that they can't possibly have because they haven't lived that long yet. That's brilliant.
0: I love that, Peter. Um, And actually, it's something we've been doing a lot around about this whole intergenerational thing. And I think there's a danger. It has happened already that there's a kind of dismissing you know it's easy for the older generation to dismiss the younger generation just as much as the younger for the older and i think we can all bring something to the party and i love the way that you're talking there about you know we can learn from i can learn from the 25 year old which is absolutely brilliant now clearly you don't sound like you're slowing down and i love the fact that you're still doing consultancy for your old agency and I'm guessing that you like the nice things in life so that you know there might be sort of something there behind you wouldn't mind a bit more money still don't we all still in life absolutely and really looking at that then so what
2: does the future hold for you where, where to next Peter I have I, we all have our faults and flaws in life one of mine is that I've never planned the things have happened by chance and I've always had an attitude: to just say yes just do it and yeah. learn from it so two things in life I've always kept Exceptionally fit. Uh, I go to the gym three or four times a week. I, I eat well, never smoke. So I believe that's the investment you make in your health because to do what I do and to be busy, uh, you need to be healthy. And, and that and to two go hand in hand. I think as I said to you at the beginning, you know, the word retirement, as you quite rightly it's not retirement. People just transition to a different period of their life to work differently. But to do that, you need to be healthy and have the energy to do it. I think you can have, retain the. Energy and ambition of a kind of a startup business, and match it with the maturity and wisdom of a, of a uh, one something's been around for a good deal of time, you're an unbeatable asset. You know, if you can go into a, a situation with the same energy and aspiration, ambition as a 25 year old individual, but bring with it all the experience and the wisdom, the mistakes you've made, and things that you've learned along the way, that is an unbeatable um, combination. I often say to people I working with, look, if I go into a, a client who's got a major problem, and I'm talking to a CEO, I can probably say the same thing as a very clever 25 year old, but they won't believe. But I would be, because you are you, assumed to have a life experience, which is that you're talking on an equal basis to that person you are you, addressing, and I still find that uh, that works, um, and I enjoy that still. And I have you know, you've made mistakes. If we all only had success in life, you don't you learn nothing. And I've made some mistakes which I've learned personally um, uh which you know live with me still uh, in terms of a lesson learned um but then you, you it usually points you in a different direction, and that's that's great you know and, and Peter, you certainly don't strike me as
1: someone with regrets. Um, I wonder if you have some helpful things. In in terms of things you would do differently, if you had the time uh, over again, whether you would have done anything,
2: save a bit more money, Trevor, <laughs> 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 not spend quite so much. When I was starting out in journalism, you know, and this is the d- days before Google, YouTube, Twitter, the whole lot, uh, I was always known, I was never the best writer or the best journalist, but my editor always said if there were 11 doors to knock on, you would knock on 12. If there are 12 calls to make, you'd make 13. Because it was kind of, so it's it was a, it was a determination, and, and I suppose many people then would, would would have thought I was quite uppity as a twenty-year-old guy, <laughs> flying around the world for the national newspapers. But I, I had a wake-up call uh, once. I was in or uh, well, twice. I was in Paris when Ayatollah Khomeini um, was a, was it was under uh, exile there. He was about to fly back to Iran at the start of the Iranian Revolution. And the Shah of Iran said, "If he if he flies back, we will shoot his plane down." So, as it, there were all international journalists uh, who used to go to his the Ayatollah's daily uh, briefings uh, to the media, and there was a draw to uh, um, get a seat on the plane at limited numbers, and I was successful, so I got my ticket. And we were at the time I was going to the Daily Mail then, and we'd, I'd gone back to its office in Paris. It was near the opera. I remember sitting in the office as we had to be at the airport for midnight. We had a big old school clock on the wall. As it was ticking towards midnight. I found myself writing a farewell letter to my wife and my then three year, three month old daughter. And I thought, this is crazy. This is this is ridiculous. You know, um, you, it is not just your life. So. I didn't go. I didn't get on the plane, and I resigned. Um, So I knew it was a big deal. So I went to bed that night, uh, you know, stressing and worrying what I'd done and knowing it was you know, the real stumbling block in my then (laughs) stellar career. And I woke up next morning, and of course, the plane had landed safely. It hadn't been shot down. And I felt a complete fool, and I packed my bags and prepared to find a new job. But the editor rang me and said, look, I won't do that. You know, that was your call. None of nobody else was in that situation, so you have to make that call. And it, for me, it was a humbling lesson. And for a while, a good few months, it really knocked my confidence. You know, in, in terms because to be a journalist, you have to be quite confident about what you're doing. But I recovered from that. Uh, and the next lesson I learned was I'd flown to the Falklands with the then Defence Secretary a few months after the war, and we were doing a piece about the. The, the the recovery and everything else, and I was I suddenly found myself one morning uh, on the beach in Port Stanley, five in the morning, just shouting my newborn son's name out because I missed him so much. And I thought I need to do something else. You know, this is great. I've enjoyed this travel. I've been all over the world, made amazing people. Uh, I need to do something different. um And that's when I came back and made that that transition to. As you rightly so uh, called it, Trevor, to the dark side. <laughs> um, and, but that opened up a whole new um, panoply of opportunities for me, which I've never regretted since. Because the one thing I have is, a, is an ability to talk to people, a genuine passion for people, an infinite curiosity about life, and a creative mind. And that's I have no qualifications, apart from four or all, all levels, uh, and that's it. And that's given me. And is giving me a really interesting life.
0: Oh wow, Peter! What a what kind of emotional way to end that interview. Thank you so much for that, and um, and really for the humility behind that. You're a great example, Peter. I think of when one door shuts, another one opens. And I think sometimes you know, it's more well, than one. <laughs> well, not more than one. You're right. But we're working with a lot of people who haven't made a transition earlier on in life you know I think maybe that's sort of quite helpful having jumped out of something when you're earlier in your career yep. to know the world doesn't end actually and I think it's very hard for people when they've worked for one organization in particular to imagine what it's going to be the other it can be quite frightening and I think that's really inspiring I hope others feel inspired with that because it shows that life does go on but I love your boundless energy here and um, I feel I feel matched by your energy here sure, and, you know, we wish you every success for where that takes. And please, we'd like to hear in a few years to so where you're going next and well, share that with us.
2: Well, what I'm looking forward to, Victoria, is all these clothes now coming to my address Oh, room. yes,
0: we have to all make these, sure that happens.
2: And all these business opportunities, because I think the thing to do, the, the one advice I would say is just keep an open mind. You know, yeah. I, I work with a lot of uh, professional services firms where people tend about one long lifelong career doing one thing. Yeah. And the end, I think. Well, hang on, I've got to go. I'm 60, but I still feel like I'm 35. What do I do now? Yeah, they all would good non exec jobs and work for a charity oh. yeah, it's boring. It's many people need to do it, and that's fine. But there are so many more opportunities out in life if you're just prepared to say, Look, I'll take a risk. What's the worst that can happen?
0: Absolutely, and you have jolly well inspired us there, Peter. Thank you so much
1: indeed. We've loved it.
2: Thank you, it's great. Thank, thank you,
1: Peter. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Trevor. Nice Bye. to meet you. Wow. That was that was quite a story, quite a story. There, there's a lot to unpick there. Mm. Um, Much energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, he talked about drive and determination, mm. but the the other thing that really came out was taking a risk and putting yourself in the right place yes. for opportunity. And then when something comes your way, you know, go for it. I, yeah. I love this. You know, take a risk. What's the worst that can happen? all of those sorts of things. So, you know, some people are planners and some people aren't, uh, clearly Peter isn't, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's had and has yes. an amazing story.
0: Actually, I'll tell you a couple of notes as I was thinking, you know, making as he was chatting, it, that bit about, there were two occasions and it was his family when he decided, I'm not doing this anymore. And actually that's that's what hits a lot of people at this stage of life. I can't tell you how many people I hear saying, you know, I haven't really put my family first all this time. And we've heard, Trevor, I know in some of the workshop have run when people say it was time for my wife now or my husband, you know, that I hadn't really put my family first through my career and it was time for them. And I think you reach a point when you think this is daft what I'm doing. You know, what do I really clearly, you know, writing his letter, farewell letter to his three year old daughter, I think it was. Yeah. You know, that really brings home to you. What's life all about here? Yeah
1: was really powerful that yeah the the other thing he did which i think is is worth reflecting on is um really understanding what he was good at and and maybe he was pretty honest that he maybe wasn't the best journalist in in the world but you know he was the hardest working yes (laughs) and he obviously uh had a great talent to get stories out of people and worked incredibly hard at that Mm -hmm. and and kept fit you know, that's the other thing that yeah. we, often, yeah. we often see is is people who have had one career for a very long time um, often neglect their health. And yeah, when I it think comes he's to always time, up
0: after it, but he's definitely focused on that now. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and and when it comes time to, as he described it, transition transition yeah. into the next phase of life, um, you know, your health is something that you have to protect.
0: Yes. The other thing I was thinking about was it, that bit when he said infinite curiosity I think is about life and open mind and I think that's absolutely essential at this stage um I think it's it's interesting there's been a lot of discussions I've had just recently around ageism and who experiences ageism and actually it was interesting somebody said to me they think you only experience ages and when you start going for jobs at this stage actually you don't in other areas of your life and i thought it was quite an interesting observation but i think definitely that curiosity about life and not becoming that old grump i mean peter sort of touched on it in different ways in there about um and he, what did he say? He said, I've, "I've always been a bit ambivalent about social media," and I laugh because how many people do we meet? Oh yeah. And then finally, we get them around to LinkedIn, and you know clearly he's having a bit of fun with Instagram. Um, and I think you know it's easy to dim- dismiss all of these, and I hear it far too many times that people don't have an open mind about what's it about and how do I make it work for me. And I think there's huge things here around our generation need to get involved more because we need to make it work for a wide range of things where you're drawing on the skills and experience of an older generation. You know, at the moment what's happening really is it's young people who are leading the way in social media if you like. And I don't think there's enough wisdom if you like. Is that the right word? A bit sounds a bit arrogant, but you know, added on to it um, in terms of what you do.
1: Well clearly we could go on about this for a long time. It was wonderful. And you know all of our guests are interesting fascinating inspiring people and and i'm in their own way different ways obviously um so i would encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to keep tuning in go to next up.com don't forget the hyphen and there are lots of tips and other stories to help you find inspiration uh, at this stage of your life
0: We hope it helps you along the way. It can be a bit of a challenge. So do listen to what others do and draw on their own insights. We hope to see you then next time. Thanks and bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.